Welcome to the What If We Loved podcast with your hosts, Bruce and Shay Mason and Janie Giebelhaus. This is a show where we explore what the love of the Father really looks like. We want to help you enter into a deeper experience of the Father's love so you can better know who God is, who you are, and how to live a life in love every single day. Hey everybody, welcome back. So glad to be back. Some exciting things have happened in the interim, right Janie? <laughs> that, it's so, sur- so I got married. Um, <laughs> but it's so yeah. surreal because it, it really does feel like it's been a long time and a short time. And yeah. so when you just said that, I was like, no way. Like that, I surely know. we've had a podcast since then, but nope. No, we haven't. It just happened three weeks ago. Yeah, it, yep. was, it was such a beautiful wedding. Mm. It was fun to be a part of it too. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was great. It was great to have all of our favorite people around us. And yeah, it was just such a wonderful time. So yeah, really special. And you're looking lovely after your honeymoon, all rested. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great. And your hubby's amazing. Yes, he's the best. Very true. <laughs> yes. Well, we are back. And we have a topic that's been all of our on our hearts um, to talk about for a little while. Just a, a little apology. It's pollen season here in North Carolina. <laughs> can yeah. you tell? I feel like I, for one, I wonder if they right can now. tell already. I'm not sure. Maybe so. it's disguised to everyone. They can't hear our voices so different. Our voices sound a little bit lower. Mine's We're clearing our throats. <laughs> I'm definitely more gravelly. I'm going to try not to make any sniffing sounds on, on the, the mic. We'll... We'll cut if we have to, that's the reality of being in Raleigh. Oh, well. Anyway, so today we thought we'd talk about uh, what true loving evangelism looks like. And it's, it's been on our heart, I think, because, well, I can speak for me and you guys can speak for yourself, but Shay and I know we got, essentially, I came back to faith and you came into faith back in the 1990s. And there's a particular model and a particular style of evangelism that was taught at, in that in those days. Oh gosh, am I that old? I'm feeling like I'm talking about the past here. <laughs> Back in the day. Back in the old days. But but, uh, but it was um, it was a kind of Christianity that um, well, it's, I mean, it's still around today. But this idea of you need to get people saved. And then once they're saved, you need to teach them how to behave. So save and behave. Save yeah, and save behave. and behave. Save and behave. It was also very transactional. Yeah. And there was a method to finish the transaction, and then and then you kind of burden them with, hmm. now you have to look like this. Right. And you, know, you can even see that still in some of the, the commentaries, and actually in a lot of commentaries in the Bible. I was just looking up. I'm going to talk about... Um, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 in a minute. Um, but we're talking about discipleship. And at the end of this, I was just looking up one of the, the words uh, in Greek. And, it, and just at the end of the little blurb about it, it said, you know, again, the individual who becomes a disciple must alter his behavior as well as his mind. Which is, yes, but n- that makes it sound like it's an act of the will. Right. Well, and can I also just add yeah. you're not the one altering yeah. your mind right well that is the point <laughs> that is the point well, and it, especially not for the other person right like right. if you're trying to make them do it it's right. like 
we're not even the ones to do it for ourselves yeah. and you know right. with the no God nobody is going to make that happen yeah. other right. than the holy spirit and acting upon our heart <laughs> right exactly so maybe um the best place to start is just reading a little from the great commission so what mm. does the bible actually say yeah jump right in about it and um i mean no one you know nobody who's a christian would argue against the, you know <laughs> the call to go and share the gospel mm-hmm. but know? i think we have a lot of different pictures of what that yeah. might look like what it should look like right definitely why do it how yeah. to do it exactly i just yeah, yeah. And another caveat before that is that people are wired differently. So mm-hmm. how we share the gospel, there's not really a one-size-fits-all formula either. Right. What I'm comfortable doing and how, how I share from my heart is not going to look exactly mm-hmm. like the way someone else does. Well, that's, I think part of the problem is you know we've tried to create a one-size-fits-all yeah. model and then make everybody conform to that model, and mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't work for yeah. everybody. But anyway... The Great Commission. This is from Matthew 28. It's um, starting at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. I have to pause there. They're, they're, they're seeing the risen Jesus, and yet people are doubting. Isn't that amazing? That this human nature... That's a whole sermon. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> then Jesus came to them and said... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I'm reading that, by the way, out of the NIV. The ESV um, says, um, and teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the, the that last line of Matthew's gospel about his mm. being with us always, mm. I think is such a comforting statement there. But what is it really saying in this passage? You know, the way I was taught this passage, and maybe you guys were too, it was, you know, Jesus has all the authority. And therefore, our, our primary call as a Christian is to go and save people. And then... So make disciples, baptizing. We didn't really spend a lot of time on baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, other than just we need to get people baptized. So like a water baptism mm-hmm. there. And then teaching them. And the, the emphasized part, other than the salvation, was teaching them to obey. Mm-hmm. Get them in the door and tell them to obey. And tell them how to behave. Right? Yeah. And so that's, you know, I, for me, I'll just speak personally. For me... There's a lot of pressure I put on myself. Huge amount of pressure. Because of this. And I remember I remember in seminary, but even before I was in uh, seminary, just feeling this weight of I need to be, you know, when I'm when I'm taking the metro, I lived in DC at the time, taking the metro to work, that I had to be actively just looking for people that I had to find as opportunities to convert. Hmm. And and I just I, I, I honestly I you know I I want to say this the right way, and that it's not that we're not supposed to be looking for opportunities, and as God presents them to us. Yeah. So I don't want to say that that's not. We're not supposed to be careless, right. or like, yeah. But there is this weight, almost of a guilt, on me, 
that I maybe I put on myself, maybe I'll have experienced that, I don't know, where I felt like if I wasn't converting enough people, if I wasn't getting enough people in the door, if I wasn't um, doing enough that somehow I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't being the faithful disciple that Jesus wanted me to be. And all I had was the four spiritual laws, essentially. That's what I was given. There's nothing wrong with the four spiritual laws, but it was a model that I'm just not wired for that type of evangelism as much, even though I have led people through the four spiritual laws, for sure. Um, but Jesus is saying something that's much more, I think, than the way we've actually understood. And I, and I just want to focus on one thing in particular, and then we can talk about it from there. And that is this teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And what did Jesus actually command us? Mm -hmm. That's the question. What did Jesus actually command us to do and to be? Yeah. Is it just to go and evangelize? Well, that's part of it. But we tend to take this passage and not see it in the broader context of the other Gospels. And Jesus in the Gospel of John says some very specific things. And I'm just going to read these to you. So again, in Matthew, he's saying, teaching, you know, go teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Well, what did Jesus command? Well, John 14, 12 says this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. John 14, 17. This is my command. Love each other. John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And then in Galatians 5, 4, Paul says, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And 1 John 3, 23, and this is his command, this is, to believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. And then 1 John 1, 6, And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Hmm. We can't ignore I mean, yeah. all of that, can we? That's pretty clear. <laughs> all that's pretty clear. So Jesus is saying, teach people to do what I've commanded them. What has Jesus commanded us to do? And if you look at all of his teachings just in the book of Matthew, everything is rooted and grounded in love. Yeah, and not just in Matthew, but everywhere. Oh, in all the Gospels, yeah. It's, yeah. The, it's the whole sweep of Scripture. The whole really. sweep yeah. of Scripture. So it's not about, and he's teaching us to love. And why is he teaching us to love one another and, and about love? It's because everything else flows mm -hmm. from that. Yeah, I completely agree. I was actually just thinking when you when you were saying something before, I was reminded that years ago I had this theory that how someone evangelizes shows so much about their relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Because you look at people who are on the corner and saying, you're going to go to hell if you don't believe. And I was like, well, I really think they're trying to help people because for them, faith is about fear. Like they mm -hmm. believe because mm -hmm. they're so scared to go to hell. <laughs> and so that's what they're projecting because that's their relationship with God. Oh, yeah. that's so that's how they're sharing Yeah, it. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I'm like, I feel like when we're feeling so loved by God, when we know we're loved by him, love flows out of us. But if it's this fear and this performance, then and that's what draws us to God, 
then that's what we're going to tell other people to do because that's what we think is important. That's a really good insight. Yeah. And it does. It makes a lot of sense. And we've all heard the gospel shared that way. Although I would say it's not really the gospel because God doesn't woo his children with fear. Mm -hmm. He woos them with love. Mm -hmm. But someone who is trying from their best intentions to bring people into the kingdom that way, they just haven't encountered his love. Yeah. And... You know, I used to think that it was my job to, as Bruce was saying, to, to pull people into the kingdom by whatever means possible. But now I just want to love people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's it. I'm not I'm not putting some number over my head saying, I've got to reach this many yeah. or, or whatever. I just want to love who God puts in front of me mm-hmm. and leave it to him. Yeah, if you think about how Jesus did evangelism, it was very relational, Mm. always grounded and rooted in love. And he was listening to his father by the Holy Spirit. So he knew where to go. He knew who the father wanted him to talk to at any moment. And he just lived that way Mm -hmm. by the spirit of love. And it wasn't that he had, I mean, he had an agenda in the sense that he came to save the world. That's kind of a big agenda. But he didn't, I, I can't picture Jesus, you know, writing up his schedule for the day. You know what I mean? <laughs> or or keeping track of, oh, this person came to me, this person came to right. me. Right. It, it may be because he's so excited, but not because he's bragging or, yeah. I think that's the thing. I, when we were talking about this topic, I was realizing if someone views evangelism as their a reason to boast, mm-hmm. then it's going to come across as their thing and not about the person they're talking to. Well, it's going to come across as arrogant. Arrogant. And then also just like, I was thinking about, it, I was like, if I went into evangelism and thought of it as, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to make someone believe what I believe. And then I'm going to, I'm going to be able to say to others that I got this person to believe and I'm going to be able to brag about it. It's just so ugly. Like I feel like God's always designed for us to partner with him Mm -hmm. and it's a joy to partner with him, but not for our own pride's sake. Oh, definitely. And when we start to make it about our own pride's sake, not only do we miss out on truly encountering the joy of working with God with nothing attached to our worth Mm -hmm. as Oh, this is so because I'm so great at telling people about God. Because really, it's if we're telling people about God, aren't we saying that He rescued us yeah, and it's not he, about us? He's so great. Yeah. And so right. if we can take our pride out of it, we're experiencing more because we're in really in tune with what God's always wanted to do. Yeah. But then on top of that, the other person is experiencing God's true love because it's not going to come across like God's true love if. If I'm going up to someone and I'm saying, hey, this is what you should believe, and they can tell that I have some kind of agenda, mm-hmm. because I, if, if I believed that I got a point, like mm-hmm. some kind of credit. Spiritual that could, bonus. Yeah, that I could brag about it to everyone. I could, I could have people think I'm awesome. If they could feel that, why the heck would they believe me? Like I'm, mm-hmm. It's just like those influencers who tell you to buy something. It's like... If there's a reason for right. this, I right. don't believe you. Like, I don't believe you actually like that mop mm. because 
Right. You're paid to tell me that you like mopping with that specific brand. <laughs> <Right>. Like, <laughs> yeah. if it's for my sake that I'm evangelizing, why the heck would someone believe me? Mm-hmm. And I think getting that out of our heads, because for me, I'm like, it's not for my sake. You know, like, yeah. yes, it's a joy to me, but it's because I genuinely feel my life is better. And I feel there's life in my veins. Like I, why would I not want someone else to have that? Right. So yeah, I think with getting in line with that helps. Right. And, yeah. And that's the heart of it. That's what effective evangelism. You're communicating to people why. Yeah. You believe what you believe. Yeah. You're not trying to force anyone. And what it's really meant to you, the experience. So it's coming from your heart. That's mm-hmm. I mean, evangelism needs to flow from the heart. Otherwise, in the cynical world that we have, people are always looking for the motive. What's the motive? They're going to yeah. look for the motive. But if they see it's your heart. If you're speaking from that place, yeah, and, it's and a place seem authentic. of a place of honest humility, right? Because you know, honestly, none of us have it all figured out. Yeah, and I used to think that if someone asked me about my faith, I had to have all the answers. I had to have it all figured out. But it's okay to say that you right. don't have it all figured out because right. none of us do, and we can trust the Holy Spirit to give right. the answers when necessary. Yeah. Well, and to your point. Janie, I and I want to say this without judgment, but it's just something that tends to. Um, oh, it's a, this bugs me a little bit. Is when ministries and people get up and said, you know, oh, we had this conference and we had X number of salvations, yeah. and we had, and they, or you go to a website and you see, you know, we had X number of salvations, this and this, like somehow that's a proof of their credibility. Mm. And I don't think the number of salvations that we've been a part of prove our credibility at all why do we need yeah. to prove that to anybody and no uh, i, I don't mean, want praise to god they had that many yeah and but, everyone's not just a number you're not just a number right, god sees people. you as the one that he chases mm-hmm. after so yeah. you're not just a number on a website and that's where i also have a little bit of a trouble with when we talk about saving souls yeah. i know yeah. the soul that's a biblical term but but at the same time i don't like to i want to i don't want to look at a person just as a soul i want to look at them as a holistic being mm-hmm. yeah i don't think god looks at us as just souls he looks yeah. at us as his children I mean, yeah. we're, we're welcoming people home we're giving people the way home so that they can be a son or a daughter yeah like a, an actual holistic being yeah that who is loved by the one who created them in the first place yeah. you yeah. know and if we treat people yeah. as just a number and we take them through a transaction mm-hmm. and then tell them how to behave to look like a good christian all we're doing is setting them up to mm-hmm. fail because mm-hmm. none of that involves actually loving them right or leading them into encounter with god's heart yeah and i think all this comes back to like do we actually do christians actually believe that they are credited something when Mm. they you know convert someone and i i think what's why people feel on guard is that some denominations i think do like Mm. Or especially other like other religions, like if you look into different things, like Islam, they believe that you are credited if you get a convert, mm-hmm. and but Jesus isn't like that. Like we're not, you know, given a planet if we can like <laughs> right. converts, or we're not. It's not any kind of. Again, it's not about pride. It's not about ourselves. It's God tells us to partner with Him, but not for our own sake, but just. Because he knows, hey, this is, you have been given this. Tell other people. Like, right. don't keep it to yourself. 
He says that because he loves other people too. He doesn't right. say that so that you can get something. Well, because we know? are we are the hands and feet. We are the body mm-hmm. of Christ. So right. we're the ones that can share the good news, but we need to make sure it actually is good news. Yeah. Well, if we if we bring into people into faith through a sense of you know I'm trying to prove something to God and show God how mm. faithful I am and so I'm doing this evangelism and then we invite people into a faith which focuses on behavior mm-hmm. we're really just training people and teaching people to think I have to earn God's favor right. which religion. is not the gospel yeah. yeah which is religion yeah that's exactly what it is and that's not the gospel and you know it's kind of we can keep repeating the same thing over and over again and, and ask us well why why are people not you know why are people deconstructing right now why are people mm you know, not flocking to the church. Well, there's reasons I think for that. Yeah. And part of it is the, the, the approach either that, you know, that we've been taking with people. Yeah. That's a whole other topic we could talk about. Yeah. But if anyone, if everyone knew who God was mm-hmm. and knew how much he loved them and knew what a relationship with him could be like, mm-hmm. everyone would want it. If they really did. Yeah. And, and it's, I believe, well, I mean, maybe not everyone, no, we all have choice, no, but not everybody, it's, yeah. it's just so enticing. Yeah. It would be a lot more appealing yeah. to a lot more people if we really did it from God's heart. Mm-hmm. Well, and Jesus tells us if you, if you love one another, then they will know that you are my disciples. Mm-hmm. So there's something. <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> that is. Because we haven't done a great job of loving each other within the body. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, the key is, if we can truly, if we're motivated by love, if we're living by love, and if we see people through the eyes of love, they're going to see that. And they don't necessarily choose it. I mean, some people won't, I suppose. But we're presenting something authentic and real that's not dependent on ourselves. I mean, it says in the Bible that what Jesus did was credited to us as righteousness. It's not anything that we did to earn it. Right. It's what Jesus did, that act of love on the cross. And it's not dependent upon us, but it's also not dependent upon them getting themselves sorted out right. before they enter. Right. And then there's mm. that too. Or sorted out immediately after they enter. Right. <laughs> giving them the grace to walk then in this relationship. And what it looks Jesus. like to become Christ like. Yeah. yeah. And why do you know, why do we behave the way that God tells us to? Is it because we're trying to appease the people around us right or is it because we're really so in awe of how god has laid out these directions for us to help us to help his kingdom to be able to see things the way he sees them not just because we don't want to get in trouble from our neighbor (laughs) you know like there's there's so much wisdom to what god says to be able to recognize that and be like wow god you've protected me You've looked out for me. I want to. I want to learn how to obey you because I believe you and I trust you, rather than being like, oh, now I have to, you know, not have sex before marriage because I got converted and Timmy's looking after me and he's going to make sure I don't do it. Like, there's such a difference between the perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things in me and in my life that that once why I was walked in faith and then walked away from faith for a number of years in high school and in college. But when I came back, as I came back, and it was a series of, a series of sort of supernatural encounters that, that I had with God. Um, but it's not like as soon as I said, oh, okay, I'm back, my entire like landscape of my life changed in that second. My, my heart 
had a change and mm-hmm. my, my mind kind of went, oh, I want to do some things differently. But it took a while for actually my behavior, the way I acted to come into alignment with the reality. Well, and your beliefs and everything. Yeah. yeah. Once, once he takes hold of our heart, mm-hmm. then that alignment causes a change in our behavior, our beliefs, all of that. But it, it takes time and it's different for everyone. So some people get discouraged very easily when yeah. they think, why isn't mm-hmm. my life perfect now? Yeah. As opposed to, it's because we've presented a gospel which says, now you'll be perfect. Mm. Yeah. And don't give the grace and the time. Or, and actually invest ourselves in walking alongside people. And that's what's so valuable, I think, about even when you just said that. You just said when you came to faith, it wasn't all perfect. People need to hear. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it's so hard for people to admit that. But then people just feel alone mm-hmm. when they do try, try, try. Or or even they're just questioning things. And they're like, I'm not sure if I want to obey God in this. Like, Questioning is so normal. Mm-hmm. And it's hard when you don't hear people saying, oh, actually, I went through that too. Right. Yeah, you know? that's a really good point. Because honestly, I didn't think... When I first became a Christian at 19, I didn't think then that there was any room for questioning or for doubt. And then even though I had questions and doubts, I tried to shove them down and it really made me miserable Mm -hmm. because I felt shame because of it. Instead of bringing these questions to God and saying, help me to understand this, like, Lord, what are your thoughts about this? I just hid my doubts. Mm -hmm. And that's that's not honest. And it's okay. God can handle our thoughts, our doubts, our questions. He can do much more with them when you tell them. Yeah, when we surrender them those. Them and, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he sees them the whole time. Yeah, it's, be, we, we don't need yeah. to hide things from God. He knows. And to be able to have permission in the body, so in the church, to be able to share these doubts without fear of condemnation or, or retribution. Totally. So that we can work them out together. Yeah. Knowing that not everybody's going to be in the same place. Mm-hmm. But when we put that straitjacket of behavior uh, and behavior modification on our life together as a body, then it's like we we don't share our hearts. It's such we a burden. Really, it's such yeah. a heavy weight to carry. Yeah. And you can see why people fall away or deconstruct mm-hmm. Because they say, I'm, just, I'm done. I can't carry this anymore. I can't do it. And, and where do I go to find people who can understand what I'm struggling? Now, I don't mean to affirm the things that I'm struggling with. There's a difference. Yeah. Because right now, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, oh, I think I'm this or that. And so I need to find the people who agree and affirm what that is instead of taking it you know mm-hmm. instead of approaching it earlier on when yeah. those things haven't become firmed up in people's minds yeah. and saying okay I'm wrestling with this so so okay I know that I can come to the church I know that I can come to people there in my community and we can talk about this yeah, to have someone who will sit with you in that space of of questioning mm-hmm. and just affirm that you are loved yeah that's yeah. the most important thing the affirmation that you're loved yeah. it's got to start there and when we are telling people about how loved they are by God, I think it's, I think one tension we can have, and this is an evangelizing as well, is that there's this tension between do we tell them what they want to hear because then they will think of that as love? Like, do we tell them, 
oh, God thinks that's okay. Like with sex before marriage, that's a great example mm. because I used it earlier. Um, if I went up and talked to someone who was having sex before marriage, do I just tell them, oh, actually, God thinks it's okay. He doesn't really care about that in this modern age um, because I think that that will make them feel loved. Or do I trust that the way God loves is true love? Mm. Because for me, yeah, there were tempting moments to have sex before marriage, but I am so glad that I didn't. I, yeah. do, I see God's love so clearly mm-hmm. in his direction not to do that. And that doesn't mean that I felt catered to by that law because there, of course I would have wanted to do that. Like, but that his love is defined by him as love and it's always love in hindsight. Like when we look, when we can look at his directions, it's always loving. It's just not always what we want to hear. Right. You know? And so it's hard in evangelizing because we can be so tempted just to tell people what they want to hear because we're like, oh, maybe this will get them to be open to God. When all we're called to do is witness what God has said, not change what God has said, yeah. but just tell people, hey, this is what he says. Like, yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow, but he always says things out of love. Mm-hmm. Not to judge people, not to try to convince them, but just be like, this is this is what God says. This He always means it in love, and I hope you can see that, but... No, I don't know. I think we've kind of come into this tension and people have gone the other way and I've oh, changed definitely. it. Yeah. Well, I honestly think that, the, and I've heard this from a lot of people who say, well, it just sounds like God doesn't want anyone to have fun and he just wants to put laws on us. It's so the opposite of law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just wants the best for us. So he doesn't want us engaging in behaviors that are going to hurt us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He wants us to thrive. Right. And there are things that, you know, we just have a different perspective from our flesh about what that means. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard for our flesh to take no for an answer on things. But God is so invested in us and he's so for us. And he he wants us to actually know, see, taste, experience, live in love to such a degree that that's the overriding everything in our life. And and that's, that's the healthy way. Mm-hmm. And that's the way sanctification really works. It's the growing in love and uh, from the inside out. Yeah. But then also it's so beautiful. It's like even if someone is acting, even if someone is acting in ways that God says not to do, that doesn't mean that they can't be with God or can't be yeah. a Christian. God works with us as just like you were saying before, like there were, it wasn't immediately, mm-hmm. hey, you're completely, you know, law abiding but it was this process and i think that god loves he just loves when we come to him in all states Mm -hmm. and so we don't have to have every single thing figured out we can let him teach us as we go and that doesn't mean we need to be hesitant to accept his love because that means that one day we're going to have to give up this thing that we're holding Mm -hmm. because god's love is unconditional like he is giving you his love no matter what you do. Yeah. So you don't need to wait to accept his love based on your behavior. Right. But with his love, he wants to love you more and more and more. And some of the ways that he can love you is by giving you clear directions and helping you in seeing the clear way of living. That's right. That's, yeah, well, and to lead yeah. you into freedom from mm-hmm. anything that's going to harm you. I yeah. mean, I just think, let's say you become a Christian and you, you struggle with something like rage. 
and it's it's something that you continue to battle with and you might ask yourself well I, am i even a christian if this is still causing me a problem but if you surrender your heart to god obviously he doesn't want you to live with this problem of rage but if you, you stay in the place of surrender he's going to get to that place in your heart mm-hmm. the root where did that come from because yeah. he sees he knows you know what was the childhood trauma or whatever it is that caused that rage to take place in your life and you know, so it's a process mm-hmm. of getting down to that root because he knows our hearts and he knows our wounds even better than we do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we just have to have grace for ourselves because God has grace for us. Mm-hmm. He'll get us there. Yeah. So we've uh, kind of strayed a bit from the there, but <laughs> yeah. that's good. We've addressed one yeah, so part of it. Yes, we're just speaking <laughs> from our passions. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think that um, really just to sum it all up, um, you know, evangelism, as with anything as a Christian, needs to be rooted and grounded in love. Because it's through that. I mean, somebody might still... I mean, I, I know there's people... I've talked to people who've come into to, to, you know, faith in Christ through the turn and burn message. Mm-hmm. You know, because God just convicts them in that moment because of the lifestyle that they're living. And they're like, I don't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And they, they come to Jesus. He'll use anything. Yeah. God will use anything, but he doesn't want people to stay in a place of just fearing no, him. Well, that's not where he wants them to stay, right. obviously. Um, so, you know, just driving along the highway when you see the, you know, are you going to hell? You know, yeah. billboards and things like that. I'm not sure how effective that is. <laughs> it usually but, makes me shake my head. But there's probably a person out there, you know, uh, who gets convicted by that. And so I don't want to, you know, say that that's completely ineffective. But mm-hmm. the point again is what is our motive for evangelizing? Are we doing it because we have experienced God's love ourselves? Are we doing it because we know God loves the person that we're sharing the gospel with and that what he wants more than anything is to have a love relationship with them so that their lives can be changed from mm-hmm. the inside out and have their hearts discipled in that love. Yeah, and I, I just come back to something I was thinking of as we were discussing this ahead of time, the famous quote that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, which he didn't really say, (laughs) preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. And, you know, that gets thrown about and torn down by a lot of people. But I think there really is something in it, but the problem is that people think that it simply means don't speak out Mm. the gospel. And I don't think it's one or the other. I think we're supposed to do both. We have to do both. Yep. There are times when we need to speak, but sometimes we just need to be there and love someone. Yeah. I mean, Peter says, always give, you know, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we are absolutely called to speak. And how do, you, how, do you, how do people know unless we, Paul says, how do people know in the good news unless we preach it, unless we, mm-hmm. we tell right. them. So that has to be a part of it. But, but simple, loving relationship yeah. Speaks volumes. Yeah. yeah. People know instinctively the heart behind what it yeah. is you're saying. So, shall we pray? Yeah. When you guys want to pray a little bit? Okay, I'll pray. Yeah. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love that transforms us, that we have been totally rocked by the way that you've loved us, and we want to be able to show that to other people. We want desperately to share this with them because we love them 
and you love them. So we pray that when you point someone out, that we see them and we love them. And whatever way that looks, we pray for opportunities to love the people around us, our neighbors, our friends, our family. And God, I pray that you give us boldness, that we do give a reason for what we believe when it's when it comes up or when there's an opportunity. But we also pray, God, that you would ref- you would refine us, that you would purify our hearts to not see it as something that's prideful, that we would see it as something that's not about us, that we can't take pride in it in ourselves, but is really given to us by you, that we let your words flow through us and we are open-handed and we're just with you in it. We're not viewing it as our own thing. that this is purely your work going through us and we can be open-handed and we can be completely free of pride about it. That's what I pray for us, for everyone listening, that this becomes a walk of joy and Mm. not a walk of obligation and guilt, but that you, God, you show us what it means to partner with you in this, where we get to show people how beautiful this is. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for the way you work in our lives. And I pray that you continue to show us what does it mean to be an evangelist and what does it not mean? And please help us in our own journeys with it. And we know you give us so much grace and thank you for that. Mm-hmm. But we praise you. We want everyone yeah. to know you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, that wraps up another podcast. And you'll never know this listening, but we did stop once where I almost sneezed. <laughs> There was one point, actually, I was looking outside behind you, Janie, Mm -hmm. and the wind was blowing, and it was this cloud of Oh, gosh. I just went, oh, no. It's coming. It's like mental. (laughs) You, like, start sneezing just with the look of it. (laughs) But anyway, um, well, thanks, everybody. It's always um, a lot of fun to share, and we'll talk to you next time. God bless. You've been listening to the What If We Loved podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and also leave us a rating. It really helps us get the word out there. For more information about our ministry, Love Inside Out, please visit our website at loveinsideout.org. Thanks for listening.